The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's seven minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning into uh, the forum at eight if you've just done so. If you've been with AM Live all morning, thank you so much for staying with us. Now, when citizens and people who live in South Africa do not read the country's constitution and understand it, the certainty is that they will not be able to internalize it and uh, also not to develop the thinking and values of our society uh, in order to contribute significantly to transform the country in line with the constitutional thinking. Now, it is true that if people do not understand the constitution, they cannot access it. Or is it true? Our constitutional literacy uh, literacy is meant to inform citizens of their rights and their natural obligations of those rights. Now, it's really a pity that we're still told today that since the dawn of democracy, only 46% of South Africans have ever heard of the existence either of the Constitution or of uh, the uh, Bill of Rights, which is the second chapter of that Constitution. And... The question we have to ask ourselves is whether this amounts to constitutional illiteracy in this country and just how great is this problem. On the forum today this morning, we're asking you, how do we give meaning to our constitution? And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll engage very robustly on this. Um, and I must also just indicate last week there was a discussion in Cape Town uh, with Justice Kate O'Regan, uh, Pierre DeFoss, amongst others who participated in that. And the question that they were responding to was whether our constitution is a paper tiger. So how do we move this constitution, this this, uh, document that has been lauded the world over and make sure that it actually works for us? As South Africans, what are your thoughts on that? 891 that's our call-in number. Uh, you can SMS us on 34701 at a cost of one rand, or you can tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. That question again, how do we give meaning to our constitution? And joining us for the discussion, uh, Professor Susan Boysen, who is Professor in uh, Adverse University's Graduate School of Public Development Management, and she's also the author of The ANC and the Regeneration of Politics. Political power. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, Sakina. Good to be here. We also have with us on the line um, Luleki Marungo, who is a social justice activist and legal researcher at Section 27. Thanks for your time as well, Luleki. Thank you for the invite. Now, uh, Prof. Boys, and if I can start with you, our constitution is it important for people? to actually understand what the constitutional, uh, what the thinking was behind the constitution when it was actually written. Is that important? It is certainly so important because that constitution embodies the hearts of South Africa's democratic order. If we think back to the mid-1990s when the 1996 final constitution was adopted, there was this euphoria. People saw the constitutional provisions and especially Chapter 2, Bill of Rights, as that key as the symbol to their liberation in South Africa. Somehow, 20 years later, we have lost that kind of innocence, that idealism that we saw around there. People are now much more disillusioned. 
We do not see the active promotion of the Constitution on a daily basis. We hear much more of the longer-term vision of the Freedom Charter, valid as it is, um, than about the Constitution. The government is so aware of the failures on realization of those rights and failures on the side of implementation that they are almost shy to push the Constitution and the Bill of Rights aggressively. And we see that spilling through throughout society, through... In amongst the youth, people, I, th- I hear the 46%, that is 2011 research, if we think back a bit, um, it could be slightly different, doesn't really matter. But people are aware of rights, but they are also aware it doesn't necessarily mean much to do anything about it. Many of these rights are embodied in legislation nowadays, but people are not taught I said, this government really doesn't want them to know too much what to do. Perhaps there isn't a way out when those rights aren't realized. But is that, is that valid, though, that criticism? Why would government not want people to know what their constitutional rights are? No, I'm not saying not know what their rights are. What to do when those rights are not realized? Service delivery protests is one of the community reactions we see. We see parties, NGOs, opposition parties taking government to the constitutional court to get rights to be upheld, whether it's access of information, whether it's separation of powers or variations on that theme. Inequality is so rife in South Africa. We know that statistics. We, South Africa, the world's most unequal country. Mm. And that is a value, that a principle in this constitution. But it is as if there are not sufficient solutions in society to get the immediate realization. You talked about it earlier this morning of educational rights. What to do when those rights are not realized? We know early 1990s to early 2000s, there were a couple of benchmark constitutional judgments on the Hritwim case that in uh, that very important case, for example. But we know housing is a progressive realization of that right. Education is, should be there immediately. Mm. But, and, and government can always argue we are progressively realizing these rights. And citizens probably know that is what government will argue. They also know there are huge deficits. And in that context, citizens have in many respects stopped engaging actively because they know government, constitutional court even is going to say government has done what is possible within its current means. And then what do citizens do after that? Mm. So it is as if that lust for activism has gone out of people. And for me, in many cases, they are simply translating that right into survival rather than speak out and be activists for most people it is a question of survival in the absence of complete realization of those rights i do not say there's been no realization of rights in south africa but some classes have had much more and if people are poor and unemployed or employed at at below subsistence or at poverty rates then those rights really do not mean much and that is the answer that we need currently in South Africa. What hope do we give to those citizens that this constitution in these little booklets that we got in the early, in the mm. mid 1990s, that that is more than a paper tiger? For this constitution really to have meaning, we need to be able to give those people more hope.
Now, now, you say we need to give those people more hope. But then, uh, Umluleki, you know, we always say, you know, it's 21 years into this democracy and government hasn't done and we can come up with a whole list of issues. But 21 years into democracy, two decades later, and people... Some still haven't heard of the Constitution. They haven't read it. I mean, how much of this, you know, should we place squarely at the door of ordinary South Africans? Uh, Hello. I think most of the blame uh, has to be placed on the government. And I say this after having numerous uh, conversations and meetings uh, with the Department of Justice on, one, the number of constitutions that are distributed annually to South Africans, um, to the level uh, to which the education system uh, embodies uh, the Constitution, so debates around the Constitution. So for the work that I do, particularly when uh, so at Section 27 we go out to rural communities we, in an attempt to ensure access to healthcare services or in another instance to try and ensure access to education, most of that blame has to be placed squarely on, uh, on the government. There is a need, um, and I, I hear this and I see it every time I go into, into a village and I take up a constitution, a, a constitution and people are saying is that the constitution really and i say yes this is the constitution and you'd be amazed at how uh, interested people are when i start reading the constitution not just in english but in support people start taking notes start writing down saying hey really please pause just a minute just a minute i'm taking notes so i say based on the work that i do on the level of engagement i've had uh, or we've had a section 27 with our state departments the, the lack of access to constitutions must be placed on the government because there is a desire, there is a need for people, in people, to understand and to know the constitution. Mm. And, and, and uh, you know, and maybe it's because of the position that I find myself in Mluleki. Um, you know, I, I actually am going to ask the team to just find out for us where the constitution is available. Where can the public basically access these documents free of charge? Um, libraries, I would think you can go and you would get one. I think, um, okay, uh, you, you can go to Parliament <laughs> and, and, and you would find some copies of uh, the uh, constitutional document. But back in the day, I remember... Um, they used to be available when it was just, uh, you know, uh, first launched. It was available at every single post office in South Africa. I seem to remember that. But I also want to know then why are schools, why are they not proactive? Why do they not have copies of the Constitution? Uh, which brings us back to the point you raised, Mluleki, uh, um, um, about our education system and what exactly it embodies with regards to the Constitution and I guess in some instances, one would think at that level, perhaps, if nothing else, the Bill of Rights. There is this, uh, I'm not sure if I'll be answering your question, but there is this bizarre uh, thinking at some levels of society, some levels of government, where emphasis, or majority of the emphasis will be placed on responsibilities, where people will be uh, told that, no, it's your responsibility to do this. We place more emphasis, and even in the curriculum, and even in conversations with Department of Education, Department of Justice, there is this thinking that more emphasis should be placed on obligations, on uh, responsibilities of people. But that's, that's converting things, are, uh, that, that's putting things in a bizarre understanding. How would I understand a responsibility if I don't even know what right I have in this republic? How can I participate meaningfully, effectively uh, within this constitutional framework if I don't know what my rights are, what the legislative, the 
policy and the constitutional framework that founds the state or on which the state is founded? How can I be a, an active citizen if I don't know those things? So part of the problem is this bizarre understanding that we should place more emphasis on responsibilities more than we place on rights and uh, constitu- constitutional rights. Well, we are asking the question this morning, how do we give meaning to our constitution? And I'd love to hear your views. 0891-104-208, that's our call-in number. Tell us what you think, you know, about our constitution. Have you ever had a copy? Have you read it? More important than just having it. And um, if not, why not? When you've had access to it, have you shared it with others? You know, we want to talk about this constitution and why it is that 21 years into this democracy, we are still pointing fingers at one another, um, the public to government and government back to the public, as um, Luleki was saying about responsibilities. Uh, So what exactly is this about how do we give meaning to this constitution so that all of us get to benefit from it prof yes indeed there are so many ways in which we see it does happen in society but it is not sufficient there is a bit in life orientation in school a school subject a few hours a year where that is brought into the curriculum into the classrooms there are several NGOs who are doing this work Department of Constitutional Development they are there are some projects the Human Rights Commission does things But it all does not get up to that point of systematic engagement like in these are our rights. Government, what are you doing? What can we as citizens do to supplement that? That big interface is just not happening. And it could be, as I suggested earlier, be that point that it is an uncomfortable point in history to take stock of exactly the extent of realization of each of those rights. There are the good stories on each of these rights, but there are dismal failures on each of these rights as well. And that is a point where it does not work any longer for ordinary South Africans to say to here, we have got the best constitution in the world because this is... In the first place, they do not always know the exact formulation of that right, exactly where does it end, Mm -hmm. what are the limitations. We need much more conscientization of ordinary citizens on these are the rights, but these are the limitations that you will encounter when you do that. Only when ordinary citizens, and I see that in my own research, can say, yes, this document speaks to our experience now. Only then can they take it seriously. Citizens now, and I see that also in youth in South Africa, in their own experiences and how they talk about the Constitution, they say, oh, they're Equality before the law, no, that some people are much more equal than others. Separation of powers, they look at both those political principles and the socioeconomic rights and say this, but that is not how it works in society. So it is as if they need a reinterpretation of this constitution to be realistic to what happens today. What, what do you think informs uh, part of the apathy, as it were, that South Africans have um, towards the Constitution and towards knowing what their rights are? The apathy really comes in the sense that they do not think this is how life in South Africa works today. It is great to have those ideals, they say in, in this research that I do, but 
we know that that we haven't got that kind of equality. We know that there is still racism. We know we can take it into the courts in a country, into some bodies that can help in getting restitution or getting justice when there have been injustice, injustices. But it takes a lot of effort for people who are often living very close to those margins of total dismal conditions and not having access to the basics in life. For those people still to take up bigger issues like inequality before the law or racism in whatever part of society, it is a big stretch for them. And so, and we know the Constitution even says access, equal access to the courts, for example. Mm. We know, and we know there are continuous debates in South Africa that that should, there should be more justice and more better access in that regard. But for ordinary people to get that step, they are not empowered to do that, and they know that. And then the Constitution doesn't mean enough for them, for them to take it seriously, to make it part of their lives. Mm. Well, I see uh, we have some callers on the line, so we'll take those calls. 0891-104-208. Our question this morning, we are asking, how do we give meaning to our Constitution? Let's hear from Adam in Durban. Good morning. Good morning. I think, you see, the important thing the Constitution is the most important document for this country. We need to go to our civics, our street committees. We need to talk about it in our, in our daily discussion. It's important that we start learning the Constitution. There's no excuse for anyone not to know about the Constitution because it's available all over. You can go to marketplace and, and, and talk about the Constitution. We need to empower ourselves by wanting to learn about the Constitution because it's important to every citizen of this country to know the Constitution and know that we've got a most beautiful and the most wonderful Constitution in the world. But we don't have that. So what does that mean, Adam? No, you see, hello? Yes. You see, the thing is, the fact of the matter is, we've got to put an effort in trying to learn things. To learn about our country, our democracy, we got to go and put an effort. we got to go try to find information. It's available. We cannot sit back and say we don't know about it. There is, you know, it's available. People talk about it all the time. It's in the news, you know, things that happen in the Constitution. It, people must hear the news, and they must take an interest in knowing and learning about the country and the Constitution. We don't know exactly from one province to another what's in the other province. It's our country. We must enjoy it. It's our Constitution. We must, we must really embrace it. Okay, thank you so much, Adam in Durban. David is in Cape Town. Good morning, David. Okay, we've lost David there. But I want to answer that question um, from Adam um, uh, Mluleki. Adam says, you know, people should take an interest. He says it's our constitution, and therefore we should take an interest in it uh, because it is available, you know, if people care to go and find it, as it were, which begs the question then once again, whose duty is it to educate people about the constitution and to ensure that South Africans actually are constitutionally literate? That's a good question. I'd like to uh, first respond to an earlier sentiment um, about 
there being uh, apathy regarding the constitution. And I want to say there is no apathy um, in people regarding knowing on the constitution. And we, I, I see this on a daily basis uh, of the work that we do. But this leads me now to the question you've asked. I don't think the problem, as uh, Adam from Derby, I think that name is Adam, the problem is not people not being interested in it or people not having an initiative to do it. It's easy for us who are in suburbia who have internet, who have uh, all these uh, things in suburbia to say, no, it's easy to access the constitution. But if I am living in somewhere in Kohamaus or in Pulungula, Lusigisigi, and I don't have, the situation is far more different than for someone who's in Bramfontein or who's in Santin. Uh, mm. So access is quite different in, in, in that respect. But moreover, um, in the work that we do, so for instance, in the Eastern Cape, for instance, we have a coalition there called the Eastern Cape Health Crisis Action Coalition. Part of the problem is investigating what uh, issues people have with healthcare system. And one of the focal problems people are having is regarding EMS, emergency medical services. Once we had entered uh, the Eastern Cape and said, hey, let's have a constitutional awareness program as this coalition. Let's go out into communities and tell people about what rights they have and how they can implement those rights. Uh, fast forward a year, la- a year later, the Human Rights Commission is holding public hearings on this issue of EMS, availability of ambulances. You would have seen how fervently people in, in front of department, uh, department of Health, in front of officials from the government, saying, we don't have the services, fearlessly and fervently asserting their rights to have uh, access to healthcare services. We see this in Limpopo with uh, the work that we do in education. We work there with a community-based organization called BEFA, a basic education for all. Group of um, parents who want to ensure that their children have access to quality education. The mobilization behind uh, ensuring access to education there also is indicative of the interest that people have knowing the Constitution. But the problem, Sakina, is this. There is no access to it. And where there is access, that access is mostly in English. It's not in Sesotho. It's not in Isitosa. It's not in Braille. That is the fundamental problem we are having as activists. When I go out into communities, I have to use an English Constitution and translate it into Isitosa. I find it hard myself, as a legal researcher, to access the Constitution. Now imagine someone without the education that I have, someone who without the resources of, sec- of an organization such as Section 27, how much more difficult is going to be for them to access a constitution in their mother tongue, in brave. So that's the fundamental problem. But there is an interest in knowing the constitution. There is uh, a wide array of people who are debating the constitution, whether it's regarding the land issues, whether it's regarding on transformation, whether it's regarding access to courts. People are debating the constitution on a daily basis. But what we need to do as government as civil society, as uh, private stakeholders, we need to have a partner. Like, if you look at one of the most successful socioeconomic rights judgments handed down by the Constitutional Court Sakina, which is the Treatment Action Campaign Judgment, and why that judgment was, is so successful, more successful than any other socioeconomic rights judgment, is because in that judgment, Treatment Action Campaign, a community-based organization, partnered up with um, a legal team, a vast legal team, and together, using law, social mobilization, and educating of people, that judgment is now one of the most successful judgments handed down by the Constitutional Court. Not because the court was progressive in handing it down, not because there were great lawyers who were arguing the case, but because there was a partnership with communities to whom that judgment affected. And there was ownership by those people in saying, we want this judgment, once it has been handed down, we want to fight for its implementation. So that's why I am saying, uh, Sakina, there is an interest. We have to ensure that partnerships in regard to constitutional literacy happen.
Thank you for listening to the Forum at 8. This morning we are asking, how do we give meaning to our constitution? Uh, speaking to Professor Susan Boysen and also to Umluleki Maronga. Let me ask this one question before I go to the lines, uh, Prof. If we are so proud of this document that is our constitution, you know, the world over, it's been hailed as the most fantastic document, the most fantastic uh, constitution the world over. This is the document that is supposed to govern, you know, South Africa. And if we are so proud of it, why is it then that it is not freely available? Because this is what people are saying this morning. They're saying they're having difficulty in accessing this document. Has it become a political tool? Is there a political agenda behind not having this document freely available. And by asking that, I'm not just talking about the ruling African National Mm -hmm. Congress Mm -hmm. because it raises the question then about the opposition parties as well. Why are they not flooding, you know, South Africa with these documents to make sure that people actually know the document and know their rights? Sakina, this document is a fabulous document. It gives South Africans amazing rights. It is as if governing parties throughout South Africa, ANC in many places, the DA in the Western Cape and in Cape Town, we know examples of that, are actually, they By implication, they are scared. They say they are scared of citizens really knowing this document, are from their side really flooding communities, making sure it is perfectly disseminated. Because of these rights, people can hold government, whether it's DA or ANC, to account. Access to information, for example. We know in Cape Town the examples of big developments where citizen groups, civil society groupings, are struggling to get information out of their local municipality there because the big developers are ruling the roost there. Other places, the ANC have probably withholding, all indications are withholding information from citizens in order not to let them pursue their rights because they are elite interests, they are big corporate interests that counter the in, largely individual, not solely, but largely individual rights that are guaranteed in this constitution. It is as if governing parties are scared of citizens knowing too much because I believe they can do far more to disseminate it. I see no reason except this being in fear of citizens pursuing their own rights for government not to make it available more widely. Let's go back to our listeners, 0891-104-208. How do we give meaning to our constitution? David in Cape Town, good morning. Hello, David. Okay, David seems uh, to have left us once again. Uh, Let's try Andiva in Durban. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. How are you? Good and you? Um, just a quick one. Could you please uh, ask uh, our learned prof, uh, um, is the constitution when it was drafted, was the, was the issue of color taken into account there, or is the constitution itself color blind? Uh, there's a reason why I'm asking you that. So do you want prof to respond to that first? The reason, for, the reason why I'm asking you that, there is these three famous words that they, they it keeps on coming out. Maladministration and uh, um, un- unauthorized expenditure and, and corruption. Are those three things the same? Um, do they mean one thing or 
it only happens when when it maladministration uh, being done by another color. It doesn't say it doesn't get labeled as corruption. But when when any person of of color does anything or anything that is that is uh, taken as maladministration, it is it is said it's corruption. Now I want to know because I haven't seen that that uh, that document. I don't know whether it has a color in it or what. The reason for that is there is an example. When the, when Tulima Tonsela was uh, investigating uh, the, the Western Cape government about some tender, it came it came back as maladministration. Okay. But no one said, no one said it was corruption. All right. So, uh, now I want to know whether corruption and mal and maladministration are one thing or they separate. Okay, thank you so much there, Andiva in uh, Durban. Let's also hear from Angus in uh, Plattenberg Bay. Good morning. Yeah, the Constitution is freely available from the government printer. It's an act of Parliament. I can't see what, why nobody knows that. I mean, it's freely available. Is it not perhaps, Angus, because uh, it, it, it should be freely available, but perhaps it isn't, where people cannot actually, uh, you know, get access to the document? Yeah, but everybody can get access to the Where? government printer. Where? Pretoria. But everybody you know, can't go to Pretoria. No, <laughs> you write to them, they send it to you. It's, I mean, it, 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 they used to have little books on the Constitution. I've still got a few. Yeah. But even before the Constitution was finally promulgated, when I went overseas, I took copies of the Acts of Parliament that, uh, that described the Constitution and gave them to uh, businessmen and people that I met as a, as a novelty, as, as a souvenir, because it was so much talked about and so valued. And mm. it was quite a collector's item. But it is freely available. Well, Angus, people would disagree with you this morning. It should yeah, be, it isn't. Um, they, and as you say, must people must them. write, and perhaps therein lies the crux, the nub of the matter, because yeah. should people have to really write somewhere to get a copy? Shouldn't well, it be there at schools, you know, at government yeah. offices? Uh, you know, okay. shouldn't it be there? Yeah, it should be. I, I, I think you should get it at any municipality exactly. or post office or something. Maybe you can. I don't know. Yeah. But it, uh, it, it is available. No. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Angus, for that. So, uh, yes, you know, we do know that there are places where you can go, where you can get it. But the question is, is it something that you should be searching for? Should it not be in your face uh, whenever you go to a government uh, department? You know, it's there. Read it. Um, uh, someone made an interesting point um, uh, here, Nkosing Pile, who asked about uh, the rights to this document. And he says um, he only sees it being used by opposition parties in parliament. How do you get access to this? And, and, and this is exactly the question that we are trying to address, trying to get answers to, uh, because we want to know where at this point you can actually get these documents right now. So if this show finishes and you go there, whether you can go and lay your hands on it. Uh, let's hear from uh, Ramadungwane in Tswane. Good morning. Good evening, uh, Sakina. I'm in Tswane, but believe me, I, ca- I cannot tell you where to get it. <laughs> so please don't ask me that because <laughs> of, I'm, in, I'm in Pretoria and you say, uh, can you please bring your copies? I can't. Okay. <laughs> um, Sakina, two, two, two things, and, and they're boiled down to one thing. Um, proximity. 
when the constitution was drafted, who was consulted? And I'll tell you this. It was more of an academic exercise. Uh, we, we are hailing Cyril, we are hailing Tony Mayers for this. And Suzanne would know that con- consultation is the basic form of making people to engage with the content of that constitution. So no one was consulted. Uh, I'm saying this because of, I, I just seen on television the program on Zimbabwe, how they went to the people, the new constitution of Zimbabwe how they went to the people and then they start to engage with the people in terms of what should be in the constitution. With us, it was taken from the breath of the struggle. And people said, academic said, academic said for that matter said, and they came up with this, what Suzanne calls a beautiful constitution. Muleluki um, says that the Akati and people, when they go with to the people and they talk about EM as they engage fearlessly. You know, Sakina, when our, we were growing up, we were told that, we, we followed this, we were told that the day freedom comes, we will move into the houses of the white people, and the white people will move to the houses of in townships. I wonder if people were consulted from the word go, to, to, for them to have ownership of the constitution, what would the, the, the law in terms of the land would have been. That's one. Two, the good intentions of the, 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 the developed part of the constitution. South Africa belongs to all who live in it. I don't know how to say this, and believe me, I'm saying it is almost sensitive that I, I, I could be. South Africa belongs to those who live. When this was crafted, this preamble, to whom was it intended to? Blacks were not seen, black South Africans were not seen as part of South Africa. Those who live in it, they meant who? And right now we're having an influx. We're having xenophobic attacks. And the Constitution says, as DA would always say, South Africa belongs to those who live in it. And who's also involved now? And people now, the natives, if I can use the old Af- uh, 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 Buratan, the natives, there's a distance. Where is this proximity that they're talking about? We're talking about accessing it in Pretoria and getting the document. But am I close to the content? Even when I read it, am I relating to that content or am I far from it? Thank you, my mm, dear. Thank Wonderful you show. so much, Ramadungane, raising some very, very yeah. interesting, very pertinent points there. Let's hear from David in Cape Town. David, if you're not there now, <laughs> we are moving along. Okay, I'm here now, uh, Sakina. Uh, Sakina, uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I, I hear that we're talking about access to this w- wonderful document, but my fear, Sakina, is even you know what, even the government, even the ruling party, does not have interest for people to have access to this document, and I'll tell you why. And 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 you know, uh, for an example, you know there are people, you know there are at least people or educators, people that find this uh, uh, you know constitution and try to enforce it, only to be labelled clever blacks. So if the, if this document you know is accessible, imagine how many more clever blacks is it going to be creating, and which means it's going to be creating problems for uh, for the government because government clearly, if President Zuma has the decency to call people clever blacks, that that tells me that he does not have any right to make sure that this right that I've been talking about will be enforced. So that's my comment. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Let's go to the Eastern Cape now. Uh, Derek is in Elansfontein. Good morning. Good day. Hi, Derek. How are you? Good, thanks. I'm fine. Yeah, you know, uh, I think your, your question was very simple in this uh, talk show today. 
The question is that how people can be able to access the information that is in the cons- within the Constitution. So the, the answer is simple, is that um, from 1994, I think Constitution should have been challenged as a subject at school, as a major subject, so that kids from at least grade uh, 5 start to learn about the Constitution in full, treating it as a full subject. If we do not treat uh, the Constitution as a full subject, it means that the very same generation that is to come will never know about the Constitution. I am reflecting this to the apartheid uh, system. The apartheid system was very clear to each and every South African. Every South African knew what apartheid stands for and what can do to a black man. So it, see, it shows that even to their Constitution, the people of South Africa, uh, or adults or young, must know about their own Constitution. But the unfortunate part is that uh, previously, those who didn't have the privilege to go to school, at least they, we, there is a youth that can go to school right now, and then they've got an access to education, and most, the majority of the youth are attending school. So I think uh, to put the Constitution as a form of um, a, a curriculum or a syllabus that can be treated 100%, then that will, will, that will alert every South African about their own constitution, and they will not be taken for a right. And at least if you can say no, it, 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 does, it doesn't matter that they are saying PASMAT might be 32 or something, but in the constitution, at least you say no. With a constitution subject, you must have 75% you are passing, and it must be a major subject. If you fail constitution, you are failing all the languages. So at least the people will have the background of their own country. Because most of the people still now, they are also, they are still entangled mm. to the apartheid mentality. So that's, 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 that's my, my, my view. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. And um, a good response there to the question we are asking, how do we give meaning to this constitution? How do we go about that? But I, I really appreciate the questions that are being asked about clarity and understanding the provisions of this constitution and how they actually came about. Uh, Felix in Elspreet, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Felix. Yeah, actually, yeah, the, actually the constitution is just a document that can only be given life by we ourselves. The essence of the Constitution is our aspiration, our wish, what we want to be. As a doctor, I don't need to know the letters of the Constitution to know that I need to treat my patient with love and dignity, with compassion. As a teacher, you don't need to know the law, the letters of the law, for you to know that you need to teach your, your students in dignity, with pride. There's a lot we are not doing as human beings because we just do not understand the essence of our aspiration of and our relationship. After all, the constitution during apartheid was not suitable for everybody. And that was why people rose up against it and fought against it, because they understand their lives. They understand the essence of their aspirations in life. Yeah, well, while the teacher and the doctor may understand that, it's equally important that the patient and the student also understand what their rights are in this regard uh, so that they can make sure they hold those responsible in the event that things don't go uh, the way they should. But thank you so much, uh, Felix. Uh, Sigin Randberg, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. I want to give you great comfort that thousands of very underprivileged children in Gauteng now have tablets 
to access the Constitution on the Internet. But I'm afraid that's not going to do them much good because ordinary people don't understand uh, the complexities of these abstract concepts like second and third generation rights, such as holding the president to account and its cabinet and the premiers and all the town councillors, holding them, making them accountable for real crimes. And when party stooges in Parliament abuse the separation of powers. They abuse the separation of powers. They are an abuse. They shouldn't be there as appointees by parties. They should be uh, democratic people who don't defy the public protector so that even the president ends up cheating the nation. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Sig and Randberg. Now, a lot, a lot being said there, but Mluleki, uh, um, let me start with Prof. Um, Boysen here. The answers, uh, quite a bit has been asked, but but one of the things that comes through very clearly is that people feel that the problem is not only access, um, it's also how you relate uh, to uh, the contents of the document. So questions have been asked about, um, you know, race, because this document mm-hmm. talks about uh, things like non-racialism. What does that mean? You know, because we are asking, how do we give meaning to this constitution? The issue of land and, you know, the sunset clause that's always quoted when you talk about these things. The preamble of the constitution as well. Someone was mentioning, you know, um, the relation to that. And um, which all comes very nicely to Ramadungwana's point of a lack of consultation. Mm-hmm. So what was envisaged and what did we finally get res- uh, pertaining to all of those issues? Yes, the ideals in this document are immaculate. When it came to implementation, when it came to compromises that have to be struck with global capital, with local capital, with the ruling class really becoming part of global capital, part of national capital, many of these ideals were diluted, watered down. And it is, and citizens realize that this has been the case. And that is why people like Remote Mgwane ask a question about consultation. We know it was very elitist configuration when the initial interim constitution, 1993, was negotiated at Kempton Park. In 1996, their first elected parliament by global, by all agreement all around became the constitutional assembly. And that means there was consultation, but it was like our democracy. It was indirect, it is indirect representative democracy. It was indirect consultation on that constitution making process of 1996. The 1993 constitution largely became the 1996 constitution. Mm. And it was the political parties in parliament, the ANC with its mid 60%, that had the say, the final say in that. And that is taken as consultation at the time. And at the time, we felt there was a lot of legitimacy on it. It was a newly elected, very legitimate ANC who was a leading voice in getting this constitution together. And the ideals on land, on non-racialism, on equality, they were all there. And people believed still that these ideals would become 
real, not just long-term goals uh, that government is seems to be struggling with, proclaims it's struggling with, along with the, for along with the people nowadays. Then it was a concrete, tangible expectation that these rights would be realised. As we, there's been realisation in the form of legislation. Legislative instruments have taken the place, and citizens actually know many of the laws, and they know many of the enablements, empowerment in terms of those laws. But still, there is this big deficit, the big gap. And the disconnect to some extent, because if someone yes. asks, you know, um, about the intention of um, the, the the clause on land, for example, mm-hmm. when someone asks, what do you mean by um, South Africa belongs to all who live yes. in it, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and whether this was not meant to preserve um, the historic um, anomalies that existed in South Africa around, around issues like land. Mm. Again, the consultation, yes. who does it speak to? Yes, you know, it's so much of the answer to that lies in the implementation. We know Section 25 of the Constitution talks about land. And we know whenever, almost whenever with our voices going up for more radical land transformation and redistribution, etc., it's all said, but it can be done in terms of Section 25. We need to change the Constitution to get better rights. If we look at that, yes, it says the things are enabled, there can be redistribution, it can be without compensation or with, real com- or with realistic compensation. Those provisions are there. And I, I think it could go further. I think that clause was really a compromise to ensure that there would be buy-in into the Constitution by all parties, including reactionary and conservative ones that came and probably are still with us in many ways in South Africa. It was a compromise. But if that clause is interpre- interpreted, implemented to the letter of the word in the Constitution, we can actually go much further in South Africa than what we see at this time. And um, Luleki, your response? Uh, number one, the constitution is not cast in stone. Um, if people feel that there was a lack of sufficient consultation during its drafting, there's absolutely uh, no problem in now us having debates around certain parts of the constitution and saying they must be changed. Actually, the constitution should be changed, I mean, if we deem it necessary to change. So that's all I have to say in regards to the consultation part, that it's not too late. We can still debate it. We can still say this section and this section must change. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the constitution is not colorblind. Um, in, in a number of parts of the Constitution, you can see this. So, for instance, in the preamble where it says that we recognize the injustices of our past, where it says united in our diversity, or to heal the divisions of the past, or the founding values of the Constitution, where it says one of the founding values is non-sexism and non-racism. Hmm. Uh, Section 9, the prohibition of discrimination on the basis of race, gender, and sex. Um, the rights of cultural, relig- religious, and linguistic communities, or chapter another Constitution, like the, um, the Commission for Promotion motion and protection of the rights of cultural, religious, and linguistic communities. There are a number of parts in the Constitution where you could see that the Constitution is not uh, a colorblind document. And number three, what I want to say is that constitutional literacy should not only be aimed at people or at students or learners. Constitutional literacy should also be aimed at state level uh, with the police. There should be a curriculum for police officers who are joining the force to say these are the values of the constitution that you need to uphold as a police officer in essay in the military uh, with teachers as they are studying towards their bachelor of education degrees, social workers. Everyone should be able to learn the constitution, but at state level it is uh, fundamental.
Um, mm-hmm. And then again, I want to recognize that uh, recently, as of this year, there have been efforts by the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development to ensure um, access to the Constitution. So recently they've said we've, uh, rep- we've made a slimline version of the Constitution which contains the founding values, the Bill of Rights, and chopped down the Constitution. We've distributed uh, this, is, this version of the slimline Constitution to all material owners in the country. And the plan is that in the following years, in the following year, distribution will start at grade 10 and so forth and so forth. So there has been that recognition that there is a lack of access and they are trying to engage and to ensure access to it. Uh, Secondly, on that recognition, the Department of Justice has or is in the process of establishing a committee that's going to look at uh, ensuring that in 2016, because next year we're celebrating 20 years of the Constitution. So the Department of Justice uh, and Constitutional Development, led uh, by the Deputy Minister John Jeffries, has uh, or is in the process of setting up this committee that's going to look at ensuring that 2016 is the year of the Constitution. So how can we devise uh, mechanisms to ensure one constitutional literacy programs at all levels, two constitutional literacy programs do exist, three access to constitutions, as you've said, libraries, schools, uh, municipalities, and all those things. And those are just those key responses I have, uh, Sakina. Well, and that's all the time we have this morning and um, some very interesting responses. And, and, and really, I would encourage you to go to our website to have a look at uh, the many responses that came through the SMS lines and also um, on the other social media platforms. Very, very interesting contributions. www.safm.co.za. Thanks to our guests this morning, Professor Susan Boysen and Mlulegi Marungo um, for speaking to us this morning. And of course, uh, we're going to news now at nine with Kumbuzile. Tabete.